Dialogue on Teaching. I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center. And of course, in our sound engineering booth is Dr. Paul Myrie. It is my great pleasure to have with us this morning um, the Provost of City Seminary in New York City, Provost Maria Lu Wong. Welcome, Maria, to the broadcast. Thank you. I wanted to start on the conversation this morning. I, I think, and maybe I don't know, but I don't think um, our listeners know the story of the vibrant seminary that you literally have created. So give us just a thumbnail sketch of City Seminary in New York City, and then we'll proceed with the rest of our conversation. But tell us about the uniqueness of City Seminary. Okay. Um, well, City Seminary is a, I will say, an intercultural urban theological learning community. Um, we started in 2004. Um, the director is uh, Reverend Dr. Mark Gornick, uh, who had come from Sandtown and the community development work he was doing with New Song and had moved up to New York and um, had started to join the, some work in Harlem um, that was, uh, again, a church plant and some other community development work. And then he started to notice um, some African uh, stores and then wondering started wondering about the church life and and um in harlem i mean there was a lot of um there were mosques and and so so he was wondering about the christian community there and that brought him to an orthodox uh ethiopian orthodox church in the bronx and then to his um his dissertation work on uh, african christianity and the connections to new york um so my story kind of um intersected with this his as he um worked with Westminster Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania to administer um, a kind of a cohort model of their master in urban mission class. And my husband and I were students, uh, so he was my professor first. Um, and we had um, just had our first baby, and so we brought our two-month-old to class. And uh, we started this journey that has brought me here. <laughs> um, so my husband and I were um, graduates of that first class um, in 2007, but just before I had um, graduated in, uh, in, in 2007, I started working part-time and my, my background is in education. I've taught from elementary, I taught music, um, uh, but I also started doing teacher training and, and also worked in the Board of Ed and other things. So um, so all as I, as I joined um, uh, Mark in the work, um, we began to think about, you know, how would we, how would we respond to the church in New York City? Like, what would a seminary for New Yorkers look like? And um, how could we respond to this growing uh, church life, especially the um, thousands of churches that have been planted um, by uh, folks who have roots um, in Asia, um, Africa, Latin America, the West Indies, um, since 1965, I mean, since the change in uh, legislation, so many immigration, of course, marks um, kind of these different waves of, of population growth and um, in New York. And so um, we were trying to figure out how to respond to that. And, um, and that's part of my own story as a Chinese American, though I was actually born in England and my parents, I'm an MK, my parents were missionaries who um, built a, a, a recording studio in our basement, first in England and then in America, uh, in New York, uh, to reach out uh, through broadcasting to um, Chinese Americans, particularly in garment factory workers and restaurant workers who couldn't go to church on Sunday. Um, but mm -hmm. my story, I mean, that kind of detail was just part of like many stories in New York. And so City Seminary uh, of New York has been um, kind of a 
an adventure <laughs> and a, a vision of reframing uh, theological education that is responsive, relevant, accessible, um, that kind of serves the, the, the New York church. Um, so it's been um, now, yeah, over a decade that I've worked with Mark uh, building this institution up um, little by little. First, we had uh, non-degree programs. We have an, a ministry fellows program that's uh, introduction to urban ministry and then a Bible for Life survey course. And over time, it's just built up into, we have now a youth seminary for high school kids and youth leaders. Um, we do a, an annual practice. Uh, we go to every borough and do a pray and break bread community uh, prayer event. Um, and that's become a practice that's been really important for us to know the city because you can't pray for the city unless you know and, and love the city. Um, we have an arts gallery, the Walls Ortiz Art uh, Gallery and Center that started in 2014. That has been a space for public faith and Christian hospitality to our neighborhood in Harlem. Our students uh, come from all the boroughs and our faculty also come from the boroughs. So um, our faculty and student as a learning community, we, we look like each other, <laughs> but we're also very different. Um, we've got Catholic, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Reformed, uh, United Methodist, kind of the range of Christian traditions. And um, a key metaphor for us is the Ephesian moment um, to, to recognize that no particular body, no particular aspect of the church completes the full body of Christ, but only when we come to know each other can we fully understand uh, what the church and the body of Christ is. So um, our, our, our philosophy or pedagogy, it's not limited to, I guess, one class where, oh, you should integrate the arts into theological education. The whole institution, the whole way we think about teaching and learning is um, thinking about the whole body, integrating the arts, in integrating experience and reflection, and also very place-based, thinking about where are we in the city? How are we formed by the dynamics that happen in the city? Um, and so that's really informed all of our work as well as our research. Uh, we've been doing some work on, uh, it's a, called a, the Global New York Church Project, really trying to um, archive church life um, and, and recognize the vibrancy of, of church life in New York. Um, and, you know, not everybody collects um, the ephemera. So we're, we're building an ephemera archive in our library, um, as well as trying to collect stories and um, and so, yeah, it's been um, really a, a wonderful um, and stretching <laughs> experience to to be a part of how this um, this community has grown over the years. Um, so. You you all are shaping a model that people are still trying to imagine that so much of theological education knows what it can't be any longer, but people have a very difficult time visioning what is yet to be. And uh, City Seminary is a model of the future of theological education in general, but you've already begun to root that new model in New York City. So I just think it's phenomenal. When we think about um, cohort models, when we think about creative creativity, when we think about seminaries that stay with the people and don't sequester themselves off from the people, those are all the values that you have found a way to institutionalize and bring people for education. So I think the vibrancy of your institution is to be commended, particularly in this day and time. So let's talk about the, the model that you have developed, the institution that you have developed, like all of our educational institutions, are now uh, challenged to um, stay with people during the COVID-19 chaos. 
How has uh, this pandemic affected how you teach your classrooms, your students, your faculty, and what have you all done in this moment? Well, I think coming together physically <laughs> has been a marker of how we learn. So experiencing, experiencing each other in kind of this whole body moment, um, meals together are really important to us. And so with the um, COVID-19 pandemic, this has really kind of altered the way that we interact with each other um, because we're all in our homes. Um, but I think that has definitely, it has not dampened our, our um, I guess our um, ethos of meeting together. So uh, continuing with online format, Zoom, Google Classroom, uh, Google Meet, uh, to gather regularly for Wednesday morning prayer, to we, um, because our cohorts are fairly small, we fairly easily were able to transition into a kind of an online Zoom format. Um, and because I'm a lifelong learner, I had actually been taking this museum class at, at Harvard, um, and the, um, the professor had used like every possible element that you can use on Zoom. So I actually experienced it as a student, and so was able to then translate um, in this moment, kind of the, the different aspects that you can use in Zoom from, the, from a teaching perspective. Um, so really trying to leverage what is, what, what, you know, breakout rooms and, and the intimacy of conversation, of being together. Um, also, um, it, it is a bit of a challenge in front of a screen to kind of do embodied learning, but it's not impossible. So um, I think before I was just sharing a little bit of um, uh, a reflection workshop that we um, that my, my colleague Sarah and I led for our MA students on Monday night was um, just helping them to process their feelings and their, um, you know, all that was going on and, and make connections to their capstone projects, which is kind of a culminating project for their master's degree. And they've been working on these since um, last summer. And this semester was the final bringing everything together and presentations. And we had done a couple workshops on um, kind of data analysis, but then also theological reflection and ministry application. And then COVID's happening, you know, all around us. And so uh, on Monday, we just said, you know, take some time. Um, we'll just block out maybe 15, 20 minutes and really think about and um, reflect on you know, what are the connections you're making between this new world that we're going to be entering into or are in the midst of and your, your capstone projects. So we asked them to journal offline, to uh, pick songs, look at poetry, find images, even think about, you know, what are gestures or, you know, what, how do you feel in your body, um, this, this connection point. And then we asked them just to go into some smaller breakout groups to just share and just be able to kind of be with each other. I think one of the, the ways that we think about teaching is, is not just this informational, you know, aspect, but it's a transformational and a, a walking with. How do we uh, become uh, learners together? Um, and then um, instead of having everybody kind of share out everything in the large group, we actually had them um, just pick a sentence from their reflections or a link from their um, from a song or an image and just put that in the chat function. And then um, while I was kind of leading the next part, my colleague Sarah, she just compiled everything onto like one PowerPoint slide. Um, and it was just a way, a collective memo of our experience together. 
And um, it wasn't limited to just to like talking because, you know, often we like to talk, um, but sometimes there are no words. Um, there's no, nothing to kind of reflect what's inside. So a picture or a poem or a, an image, a, a song might really um, help people to express that. So that's why, I mean, I think that goes back to the idea of why the arts and expressive knowing and presentational knowing is so critical to the way that we learn and teach because, you know, in higher education, this kind of neck up emphasis really limits the way that we really um, enter in to each other's experiences and enter into what ministry can be and where the implications of our faith lives are mm -hmm. um, on what we do from the day, from day to day. So um, I think that's one aspect. So just trying to be creative within these online formats. Um, another aspect has been just collecting stories. Um, we had been, uh, in addition to teaching, we've been doing this um, thriving in ministry pastoral um, clergy support initiative. And it was, it's been um, over three years now. And, um, and part of it is, is, is coming together in these small groups to um, be able to walk with each other around a question. And we had the first session um, uh, for our, a group that's actually started three years ago. And it was just hearing how everybody is responding to the everybody's church and community is responding to COVID-19, how um, people were doing Zoom or live stream or elder care or, you know, and all over New York, whether it's Washington Heights or Brooklyn or Queens. And it was really encouraging just to hear like the dynamic range of how creative the church in the city is, whether it's a large church, a large immigrant Chinese church or a small neighborhood church, one church in Brooklyn had actually lost their um, Sunday worship space. So they had had to move into house church form um, a few weeks before this happened. And then they were agile enough to then take that house church form and to really work with the limitations of um, the, you know, the space, space restrictions and social gathering guidelines. So I think for us now, um, we're actually embarking on some work of just collecting and sharing these stories and resources. I know there's a lot of resources coming out and it's a lot of information, but um, I think we're, we're trying to do the work of just, just sharing the stories of encouragement and creativity that um, the church, in, in the way that the church is responding to COVID-19. Well, and why is it important to share those, to, to collect and share those stories that um, so much of theological education would say those stories are not particularly important or those stories are somehow, um, you know, less than intellectual, less than academic um, information. So from, tell us the, about the power of story and collecting those stories in the here and now. Well, I think it's how you understand theology. <laughs> is mm -hmm. theology a uh, information collected in a book or is theology this active engagement with the world you know answering the questions of now from your faith perspective as a christian as a believer and saying how is god working at work in in the world right now what are the questions that we have to respond to that you know people didn't respond to before and how do we also then draw on the traditions of the church or the history of the church that i mean the there have been pandemics in the past. It's not like, you know, we're working in a vacuum. So how do we look at history? How do we understand our traditions? But how do we also see the, the, the new, newness of the complexity of our times and understand that theology is, is being done on the ground in living rooms <laughs> over Zoom? Um, and this is kind of an active theological formation 
uh, for our students. I think about my kids, I have three, and my you know, eight-year-old is getting doing Google Classroom and Zoom and Google Hangouts. Like her whole world, her future is going to be very impacted by this technological moment of remote learning. I don't think the Board of Ed is going to go back to the way things were done before um, because of this. And I'm sure a lot of the institutions are looking at this moment and seeing how technology has really shifted and enabled us to do some things that we couldn't do before. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that, you know, when post COVID, you know, it just means that we're all going to do everything online. You know, there is that craving for human touch and engagement that we have to kind of return to and find how do we use technology as a tool, a way to complement the importance of face-to-face -face encounter and community building, but how can it also enhance, you know, um, ways that we could communicate across distance that we couldn't before. So, um, so yeah, I mean, my response is, you know, this is a really important uh, moment to kind of reflect on what is theology? How do you do theological uh, reflection? What is the nature of theological formation? And it's happening, you know, in our homes, with our families, you know, with, I've got like a high schooler to my left, I've got a middle schooler to my right in the room next door. And, and I mean, actually, I feel like it's privileged that we have actually enough rooms that we can spread out. It's like a we work here. But you know, some families are all crushed into one space. And, yeah. you know, how is theological formation happening when um, kids and parents are trying to process this anxiety, fear, all these things um, in this moment. So, um, yeah, theology is not just something we get from the books, but we are writing it right now and the stories that we're sharing, that we're hearing from each other. And I, I think that, you know, just kind of expanding, like, what is important or whose voices are important in this process of theological formation? Um, what can we learn from people and traditions that are different from ours? Um, and also, how can we be encouraged by the hope that there is creativity um, that is in the church? Um, and, you know, God created as us in his image as creative people. So, you know, there's a lot that we can learn and hold on to and, and have hope for the future because this too shall pass and we're gonna be changed. So how do we change along the way together? And so much of your pedagogy um, at City Seminary revolves around uh, prayer. How have you all adapted uh, the ped your pedagogy of prayer? Well, I think in terms of prayer, uh, it's this regularity of, of the practice of prayer. So it's meeting um, on um, regularly for a, a conference call, or we had to switch from conference call to Zoom because I think there was the difficulties with that technology. Um, but one of the practices that we've done uh, called Pray and Break Bread New York City has been going to every borough. Um, and uh, trying to understand what's happening in the neighborhood in written form, and then going and physically walking and ground breathing and calibrating, you know, what is the actual physical experience and what's written. And so now we've moved to kind of a PBB where you are, which we're actually going to have a, our second PBB where you are um, at noon today. And it's um, praying in solidarity wherever we are. Uh, whether you're on the Zoom or offline, walking around your neighborhood, because we can go outside. And I think that's an important thing. I mean, being careful, um, but, you know, going out purposefully and coming back, but also when you are purposefully going out to buy your groceries, let's say, praying for 
the workers who are there, praying for your neighbors, praying for this street that people are walking along uh, or walking on. And um, so even though we are limited in terms of our being able to go around, um, really thinking about the physicality, the geography of the space that we're praying, uh, of where we're praying. So um, I think that commitment to saying like, you know, yes, we can connect um, online, but also when we're offline, um, that prayer happens and maybe it's walking around your apartment, just praying for your, um, your apartment building or for your neighbors. Um, and I mean, I, I could just, I'm thinking about the different uh, stories that we're sharing about people doing prayer in different ways, like a prayer. Uh, I learned that that um, a prayer baton is something that I was not familiar with. So just passing the prayer baton of, you know, doing a three-day stretch and passing that prayer baton from church to church, um, prayer night, you know, those, uh, you know, all night vigils and just the different ways. Actually, I'm learning a lot more about prayer and different ways to pray and being able to share those stories actually has been a gift because I'm really learning a lot in this process of how we can pray and, we also do contemplative prayer. Sister Marilyn is our spiritual director, so she leads us into this. Um, every Monday we have contemplative prayer with um, that's led by Sister Marilyn. Um, so it's really kind of experiencing the range and, and hearing more about the range of what prayer and fasting and um, can look like during this time um, and seeing it as really, you know, this is what holds us to God and this is what holds us to each other. Um, and to know that we are not living in a spirit of fear and anxiety, but we have this hope. And prayer is what links us to, to this hope. Um, so I, I hope that answers. Yeah, you, yeah, you just segued into uh, my next question. That so, so much of the backdrop and the experience of uh, this pandemic is fear, is anxiety, is a sense of hopelessness, is this sense of doom and gloom. But you just you just spoke that that is not the experience that you're having. That is not the experience of your community. And I, and we and you said that in the midst of prayer, is that what helps people? Is to have those spiritual practices, those spiritual disciplines? Is that what's making the difference? How how are people controlling their fears and their anxieties? Because it is a very difficult time. It is a death dealing time. Yes, it is a difficult time. And I feel like it's a time where a lot of people are searching and asking questions. And, you know, we also ask, what are we praying for? <laughs> or how are we praying? What is the nature? Um, we're praying for things, you know, for this time to end. But in the midst of it, I think the idea of time and how we're spending our time is a big question that we are all asking. And That's right. That's right. If, if we could spend our time praying and asking God for wisdom in the midst of this, I think the, the nature of how we spend the rest of our time, um, unless you are well-versed in the practice of uh, the presence of prayer, which is all the time, um, it, it's... Uh, it's a way to kind of monitor that anxiety and say like, I'm not going to be overcome by another wave of a, of a, a news update. I'm going to live into the hope that in the midst of all these things, um, there is someone who is in control. And I think we've very quickly seen how out of control <laughs> our lives are. But if we are always focused on that, then of course you're going to live in perpetual fear. But holding on to the, the, this reality that there's a God who has 
been there and is there um, that can that we can turn to. Um, I'm having um, it's been, it's been really an interesting. Just I had this one person in my in my small group for for church who had just started uh, seeking out uh, faith and was asking questions, and now we're this kind of WhatsApp back and forth and just talking about prayer and reading the Bible and what the hope she's finding and. I think it's the opportunities actually of not just uh, encouraging other people who are faith believers, but in being able to respond to people who are seek who have lots of questions. And it's a moment of, I think, witness and testimony that um, the faithful, you know, believers who are not freaking out and saying, hey, I know you feel this. Let me just walk with you, listen, and then just pray that there's a spirit of comfort, a spirit of calm, a spirit of peace, because we know we are not in control, but God is in control. And I think that um, that witness to neighbors and friends, uh, whether it's in this kind of very interesting church um, setting where we're hearing that, you know, people live stream church services, there's the numbers are increasing because people are curious, but we've also heard stories of um, people who have like Zoom services where they have former church members who are coming back to see comfort in, in this community of believers. So um, I think for your listeners, you know, hold on to this hope because this is not the end. Um, and also for those who are suffering loss, I mean, because this is a very... Um, this is a very uh, difficult moment for those who have suffered loss that, you know, the hope we have in God is also God is a God of comfort. And so for those who are grieving, who have lost, who are lamenting, we lament with others who have lost, um, but it's a way of being together, of becoming together um, stronger over time and, and becoming resilient. Um, and I think it, it really is, is happening in all different kinds of spaces um, I think one thing that I that drew me to you last week through an email was the um, the yarn circles that we're doing, and so we we had planned this whole uh, outdoor yarn installation with the gallery and um, in trying to revive the space in, in Harlem. And now we're just doing these Tuesday uh, virtual Zoom uh, yarn circles where we're just crocheting in these small groups and and living life together. And I know in the group there are people who are believers and, and those who who may not be, and it's being having space and time to create, uh, to be have a space of healing and gathering and hopeful conversation. And I think that's for us a way of, of being hospitable um, to just create that space, invite people and, and make together and just be with each other. And I think that is something that people need right now, um, especially in, in a city where it's, you know, there's a lot of people who are in their apartments by themselves, or maybe they have a roommate or not. Um, and uh, to be able to be connected and in a space that they're just welcome uh, to spend time an hour just crocheting and, and just being and not feeling that they're like bombarded with more news. And I think there's a healing factor to prayer. Like even as I'm praying for the people who are on, on my Zoom screen, um, just that they be comforted in, in, this, in this shared experience together. Um, I think that's a, a gift of the time as well. Um, so, you know, we have to kind of think about, you know, what are the opportunities that are presented to us in a situation where it's just really difficult and um, we have to find these signs of hope. And so back to your question about stories, stories give us hope. 
we're ending the semester this as, as our time winds down for this um, for our conversation, but we're ending the semester as faculty, as students, um, as people who are neighbors, families in these situations together with a different picture than we started. Mm-hmm. With a di- we're in a different place that, that the chaos that is upon us is because things in the, like in the blink of an eye change so drastically. Um, how will you end your semester? Hmm. Well, I think for our master's students who were anticipating um, our inaugural <laughs> commencement mm-hmm. are going to end the semester differently than we had anticipated mm-hmm. even a month ago. We actually just uh, let them know that we're going to move our commencement um, ceremony to the fall so that we can gather in person and really celebrate this moment. Um, it's been you know, a long journey for them. And um, so we're, uh, I guess, reimagining what it means to have our colloquium and our capstone experience together so that we can both hear their presentations and um, share and honor all the work they've done on these, on these projects, but also be in a moment of, of collective um, reflection on um, what are the implications, what does it mean to be formed for ministry in a global city? So it, it actually, in terms of the timing it, of their journey and this, you know, it's, it just shows us that, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. And, That's right. you know, but hopefully that this program is preparing them for a world that we just don't know what the future holds, you know. For our Ministry Fellows program, we're also winding down and our we lead our youth seminary. And we're kind of getting to the almost to last session and, and trying to rethink um, how can we help them to process this and think about like, in light of all we've done together, how is this helping you now to move forward to this next chapter? So um, I think we're closing this this uh, semester deeply reflective on uh, the journey that has brought us to this place, mm-hmm. but also um, really challenging each other to think creatively, prayerfully, with wisdom and discerning, and remembering that each other, I, I think often we think about our programs less as just like a program and you have, are then an alumni, but you're kind of a lifelong student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never kind of quite leave mm-hmm. um, because we are a community that we that you can always re-enter and it, it is home. So it's a closing of a chapter of a season but then moving into this next chapter where we'll be interacting with each other in a, in a different way, but we will have experienced this moment together of COVID-19 and have walked and prayed and cried together. And we'll remember this as something that shapes our relationships, but also shapes the way that we are understanding our theology of this city facing, you know, this pandemic. Um, but also, you know, always remembering that there's there, there, this hope um, and the resilience of the church and um, the importance of community and, um, and, and walking and praying together. Provost Maria Lu Wong from City Seminary in New York City, I thank you for being our guest today. That was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for the opportunity. And we're out. How was that, Paul?